0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I also wanna say thank you. There's been a number of people that have just been so generous with their encouragement the last few weeks. If you missed out on church last weekend, we uh, talked about a message from the title, It's Just a Test, and uh, I think it could be a great blessing to you if you haven't yet listened to that. Um today people were asking me, is this gonna be part two of that message? And uh it's not, but it could be. And uh, if you're looking for part two, um, I found myself all week actually just saying that phrase to myself, that it's just a test. It's amazing how much stronger you feel when you realize that it's just a test. I was like in the gym, like it's just a test. <laughs> or I was like, you know, in traffic, right? That's the one. It's just a test. And uh, it's just amazing the strength that kind of comes into your life when you realize maybe some things that God might be trying to do inside of you. And I think it could be a great blessing to you if you want to check that out. Um, But today, if you have your Bible, go ahead and reach for it. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 21. And um, today it's a simple message. Maybe it could be a good reminder for a lot of you. For others, it might be a brand new revelation. But uh, really, I just believe the conviction that I have is that every time we open God's word, it's a chance to hear God's voice. The Bible is the only book that you can read where the author is present with you. And that's just what I believe, is that as we come around this moment, it's not just a chance to read some good advice, it's not just some good tips, it's actually hearing from God and believe that as we open up God's word, we're gonna actually hear God's voice today. And uh, 2 Samuel chapter 21, um, maybe we'll start just by way of introduction. I think all of us would be familiar today, whether you grew up in church or you're new to church, We would probably all be familiar with the story of David and Goliath. It's a remarkable story. It's uh, one that you can read later on in your devotions this week. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it's more than just a children's story. It tells the story of a 15-year-old farmhand who was taking care of sheep, forgotten on the side of a mountain. And uh, when God was looking for the next king of Israel, he began to search. And he went to this guy's house named Jesse. And Jesse lined up all of the brothers and it was kind of like the Bible version of The Bachelor. It was the most, the best looking, the, uh, the most qualified. And the prophet Samuel goes to the house and says, no, 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 none of these guys are going to be um, the next king. There must be somebody else. And there David uh, was kind of off in the farm. And, and he says, well, I do have one more son. And so Samuel calls in uh, David from the field and says, this is the guy. The Bible actually says that God's qualifications are much different than our qualifications. It says that God looks, while we look to the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And God saw something in David that was special. So he was chosen by God to be the next king. He was anointed as king, but he wasn't rushed into the palace. He wasn't rushed to the front lines of battle. David went right back to taking care of sheep, given a great promise by God, but sent right back into the mundane, right back into the ordinary, right back into the average. If you were with us last week, it's because sometimes the test takes a while. And so 25 years later pass before David actually becomes king and walks in the promise that God had given him. And there, as David is chosen, he goes back into taking care of sheep. 17 verses later, a quick 17 verses later, Jesse gets worried, his dad, about all the other brothers who are going to battle against the Philistines. And he gets worried and he says, David, I need you to run an errand for me. And think about this. The next king of Israel isn't sent into battle as, you know, with a sword and with a shield. He's sent into, the, into battle, your Bible says, with bread and cheese. You say, that sounds random. It's a small act. But what happens is he goes into battle, not as a valiant warrior, but as a DoorDash delivery boy. And this is what happens. He, he shows up, and watch this. What simply began as a small errand led to an encounter with his destiny. And see what happens is God takes small things in our life and he uses them for really big things. For to God, small things are not small things. In fact, I've learned this following Jesus that big doors of opportunity swing on little hinges of faithfulness. And this is what happened for David. It was, it was a small, it's just bread and cheese. It was just a picnic basket. It was, it was just a shepherd's hook. It was, it was just a little bit of oil. It was just a sack lunch with five loaves of bread and two fish. But what happened is God began to use big things to do really big things. And I just wanna tell you today, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. It may seem small, it may seem mundane, it may seem average, it may seem insignificant or inconsequential, but God could be using that thing to do something incredible for your life. For David, what started as an errand, led to his encounter with destiny. David would never know where delivering that picnic basket would take him. It led him right into the battle where he understood that there was a giant that was mocking the God that he served and mocking his people. And David being 15 and probably a little bit squirrely and probably a little bit sketchy too, steps into battle. And what happens is with just shepherd's tools, with a slingshot and rocks, God takes David's faith and he meets it with a miracle. You know the end of the story. David and the the giant Goliath goes down and almost overnight... David goes from a forgotten farmhand to the next king of Israel, to the legacy of a giant killer. Now we all know the story of David and Goliath. What you may not know is while David started his life really defeating giants, it wasn't the only giant that David would face. See, David started battling giants, but he also ended his life battling a second giant. I'm serious, let's look at this together. Second Samuel chapter 21, the Bible says in verse 15, and there was war again. Everyone say again. Amen. There was war again between the Philistines and Israel, and David went down together with his servants, and they fought against the Philistines, and David grew weary. And Ishbabinab, that's one of the names you just have to power through. I'm just gonna be honest about that. Do, we, do any of us know how to pronounce that? Ishbabinab, that's a mom's, you're asking for a high school bully if you name ishbabinab i love it though it's like, cuz we all are dealing with a ish some ish bees in our life aren't we <laughs> is that too much <laughs> if you wanted polish you got to come to the 9am <laughs> sounds like pig latin ishbi ishbabinab one of the descendants <laughs> of the giants, there's that part that we're looking for. David grew weary and one of the descendants of the giants whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze and who was armed with a new sword, set out to kill David. verse 17 says, but Abishai, the son of Zeruah, came, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, you shall no longer go out to battle with us, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. This morning, I wanna use just that quick story in the Old Testament as a way to illustrate something about the battles in our life that we face. And I wanna talk to you from the subject, when stones don't work. When stones don't work. Now, growing up, um, one of the things that my pastor would say to me that just kinda stuck with me for for so many years of my life, he would say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's not because he was into fortune-telling or palm-reading. It's actually because of this, I think, important lesson that the people in our life are impacting us for better or for worse. And if you want to know who you are, if you want to know where you're going or, or who you're becoming, simply look at the people that you are closest with. If you could take inventory of the five people that you spend the most time with, the five people that you are closest to, the five people that know you better than anybody else, chances are it is a prophecy into the next five years of your life. For the reality is, if you show me your friends, we can take a very clear look at the future that's ahead of you. For where you are going, the person you're becoming is really taking a look at the people that we spend the most time with. But this isn't just theoretical. This actually is the reality about kind of what makes us, us. One of the craziest things I think I've ever come across is a study done in 1987 by a group of researchers at the University of Michigan, And they wanted to look at this phenomenon that was called the convergence of appearance. Now that that phrase may be unfamiliar to you, but we've all seen its effects. The convergence of appearance simply says that the longer people spend around each other, the more that they will think alike, talk alike, and even look alike. And that's the idea. And so we've all seen this effect. You've seen the couple that's been married for 57 years, something about it, they start to look a little bit more similar. Right? You've seen the crazy dog lady that somehow looks like her dog. <laughs> this is a good time to check in with your neighbor and make sure they're attractive. Okay. So this is like, we've seen its effects and it's, it's funny, but there's actually something to that. Listen to what this study said. It says, 1987, the University of Michigan held a study to test the theory to determine if people who live with each other over a long period of time will grow physically similar in their facial features. Photographs were taken at couples when they were first married and again 25 years later and were judged for physical similarity and the likelihood in which they were married. The results showed that there is indeed an increase in appearance and similarity after 25 years of cohabitation. Moreover, the increase in resemblance was associated with a greater level of marital happiness." Among many explanations, the theory of emotional efference emerged. That theory says that the facial muscles act as the link between the veins and arteries that direct and divert blood flow from your heart to your head. And what happened was, the implication is that the longer that two people live with each other, by virtue of habitual use of empathy and shared emotional experience, it may permanently affect the physical features of your face. Real talk translation. In c- the more time you spend with somebody, the more you will become more physically similar to that person. And the more physically similar you become, the happier you will be. Because by some mystery, the way your face looks is directly tied to what's happening in your heart. Somebody said there's something on your face. <laughs> How many know this isn't just physical, this is also spiritual. The Bible talks a lot about our friends. It talks a lot about our relationships. It talks about a lot of the company you keep. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. It's not Dr. Seuss. That's the Holy Spirit <laughs> <laughs> beginning to say that to us. Even Jesus, you know, more than anything else, Jesus, in his time here on earth, talked about two things more than anything else. He talked about money and he talked about relationships. And as one wise person said, only one will make you rich. It's not money. Relationships are a big deal. It's a a common thread from cover to cover of the Bible. It's not just some one-off topic. It's not just some, some cliche. God cares about the relationships in our life because he knows, maybe better than we know, that they are shaping us and forming us and affecting us for better or for worse. That's the backdrop of the text that I want to set out for you today because 2 Samuel, David, is at the end of his life. He's not the shepherd boy that we once knew. He's now the king. He's written much of the book of Psalms. He's united kingdoms. He's fought giants and maintained the legacy of a giant slayer. He's been a historic king. In fact, the Bible would say that David became a man after God's own heart. David in 2 Samuel chapter 21. If you notice, the story begins with a reintroduction. The story says that there was war again. And it's, important, it's an important word because it marks to us something about the, the repetitive pattern of David's life. It marks to us this idea of there was a, a cyclical struggle that David had to fight against. That there in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 21, that there was war Again, it was in some ways the same war that David was fighting at the age of 15. And now 30 years later, David is at the age of 45 and he's fighting the war again. You ever thought to yourself, God, again, really? I'm I'm faced with this again. I've got to deal with this again. I have to fight this again. Again, God, seriously, I've been at this how long and I'm still battling opposition in my faith? God, I've been doing this how long and I still am struggling with insecurity? God, I've been serving for how long and I'm still dealing with pride? God, I have to go through this again? Don't be discouraged. I wanna tell you that you're not alone because some battles in our life will last a lifetime. There are some battles that will last a lifetime. There may be a time where that battle resurfaces and we will have to fight again. Find yourself in your seat today struggling again. What I'm trying to tell you today is that yesterday's victories won't win today's battles. Yesterday's victories don't win today's battles. And this is particularly tempting for a lot of us when we have been successful in our faith when there have been battles that we have overcome, when there have been things in our life that we have triumphed over or found the victory again, but now the battle is back. And I think that with each new season, we will have to learn how to battle again. You know, one commentary, it said that this guy, Ishbabinab was a descendant of Goliath. I think of this for a moment. This giant kid growing up hearing the story of a shepherd boy at 15 that killed his warrior father. And there growing up, hearing the stories, the folklore, the legacy of a small kid who's now become king and growing up certainly with vindication in his heart after revenge goes out to fight David again and says, we're going to settle this battle once and for all. See, the Bible didn't say that this was a new battle it says that he was armed with a new sword. And it's an important distinction because many times the giants in our life come from the same family tree. Sometimes the battles that we are faced with are actually the same battle, just armed with a new attack, armed with a new sword. And I just want you to see this today, the pattern of the battles in David's life, that the giant was actually the same giant and the same struggle that I had to overcome at 15 years old is now back coming against me at 45. And if we could really get down to it today, maybe it's not that it's a new battle, maybe it's the same battle, just a new sword we could really be honest today, part of what I think the Lord had showed me just to, to talk to our church about is that even there are there are the same battles that we deal with. That actually, there so many things in our life just come down to the same battle, just new swords. Like if we were to really be honest today, if we could get down to it, it's actually the habits that one, once caused you to look for a quick escape is now the same habit that's keeping you in bondage. If we can get down to it today, that it's maybe the insecurity that in one season felt crippling to you is the same insecurity that now puffs you up and avoids vulnerability at all costs. That maybe in one season, the fear that that seemed to just be careless or the fear that has caused you to live your life independent is the same fear that's causing you to push others away and leaving you in a place of isolation. It's not that it's a new battle. It's the same battle just a new sword. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you. That word formed, it literally means customized. That's the enemy, I just want to tell you, knows how to customize an attack for your struggle. The enemy knows how to specify a sword for your battle. The Bible says that even though the weapon might be formed, the promise is that it doesn't have to prosper. And this is why it's good news, because no matter what is customized that comes against me, no matter what specified that comes against me, no matter what giant may con- try and come again and again and again, the promise that we have is that God, he said that no weapon formed has to prosper. Because my Bible tells me that even when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. Come on, clap. Clap your hands and give God praise today. That's the great promise that we have. Even though the weapon might be customized, it doesn't have to be prosperous or successful. And David is here fighting again, not as a shepherd, but as a king. And in particular, he's fighting as a king that has the legacy of a giant killer. And knowing that he's fighting again the same battle that he fought at 15, and what once got him crowned is now back to kill him. David is there fighting. I know this is maybe reading between the lines a little bit, but it's my sermon anyway, so just track with me here. The Bible says that David sees the giant, grows weary, and the, the giant says, I'm out to kill you. And I can imagine David knowing that this battle isn't gonna be won by force. It's not gonna be won by willpower. It's not gonna be won by just the same old way that we fought the battles before. He's there and I can imagine him tucking his hand behind his armor into the side pocket and reaching for that leather slingshot that he once held to defeat the giant. There the other four stones that he didn't need he grabs them from out of the old coffee can and he grabs them and he begins to swing his sling knowing God I've been here before. I've done this before. I've defeated giants before. This is my testimony and I need you to come through on my behalf and he takes one 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 rock one stone and he throws it and nothing happens he takes another rock and he says god i really need you to come through i'm a giant killer after all and he flings the stone and it seems to just ding off of the giant's armor there he takes a third stone and a fourth stone and he tries to throw everything he can at the giant and my question for you today is what happens when the stones don't work what happens when you try and throw anything you can at the battle, but it seems to not be making a difference? When, when you've done all that you know how to do and the things that once worked before don't seem to work anymore. When, when you try and throw, you know, you can throw anything you can. You try, try and throw money at it and it seems to not be affecting the giant in your life. You can throw professional services at it and it seems not to be making a difference. You can try and throw promises and you can try and throw programs at it, but it's like stone after stone is not making a difference. How do you get through that battle? This is what began to change for the life of David. Look at 2 Samuel verse 17. This battle, it said, it was Abishai that came to his aid to attack the Philistine and to kill him. I want to tell you today, there are some battles in your life that will be won with stones, but there are others when stones don't work. And here's the message for you today. When stones don't work, that's when you need a friend. You need a, you need a friend. This isn't some felt board Dr. Seuss sermon. This is the power of community. Don't miss this for you today. There are times where I'm just telling you that there are some battles that you will walk through in your life again and again, and it will only be one with the right people in your life. This was David's battle. This battle, look at the text. It says it took an Abishai. That right there in David's moment, knowing that he's gotten weary and this giant might actually kill him this time. God didn't send him a voice from heaven. God didn't send him an angel. God didn't send him an earthquake. God didn't send him a miracle. He sent him a friend. You know, Abishai, his name literally means gift from God. It's like, you can't, you can't make this up. That God didn't send him a miracle moment. God sent him a miracle person. I just have to, I think it's really important for you to understand today that there are some battles in your life when stones won't work. And when you get to that place, that's when you need the right people in your life. I found the best gift that God always gives is people. In fact, when God wants to bless you, he will send the right people to your life. And when the enemy wants to mess with you, he will send the wrong people to your life. It's just the reality. And what if today the strength that you've been looking for in your battle is an Abishai? What if today the answer to the prayer that you've been praying is an Abishai? What if today that the gift that God has been trying to send you is the gift of Abishai. What if the battle that you're in isn't gonna be won with willpower again? Maybe the battle that you're in isn't gonna be won with a light shining from heaven. It's not gonna be won with a miracle moment. Maybe the battle you are in can only be fought and only be won with the right person beside you. I have to believe that David knew this too. He says, I I can't fight this battle on my own. Verse 15 says that David grew weary And it's an important distinction because the Bible doesn't say that he was weak. It says that he was weary. That after 30 years of fighting battle after battle, there was war again and again. That after 30 years, it's not that David was weak. It's that he just grew weary. Maybe you are here today fighting the battle again and again and again. Could I tell you, it's it's maybe not that you're not strong enough to fight. Maybe you too have just grown weary. And in the battle, it's not, it's not that we just need to muster up a little bit more strength. Could it be that God would be trying to send you the right person to come alongside you when you get weary? I was thinking of my son. We took a family, I want to say vacation. It wasn't a vacation when you have a two-year-old. It was a family trip (laughs) difference. I was thinking this summer we went, my wife and I took, you know, a family trip down to uh, 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 Cabo and we were kind of hanging with family there and it's funny because when you take a two-year-old out of their element, it's pretty different for them. And so I found that they were just kind of like, you know, he was, he was, um, was kind of acting out and he was, you know, a little bit out of rhythm. And what's so funny is I, I found ourselves kind of making excuses for our son. We would say to our family or to the hotel staff, like, hey, he's usually good. He's just tired, <laughs> like every parent ever. He's usually good. How many wish they could use that excuse, right? Like, I, hey, I'm usually good. I just, I just need a nap today. I'm <laughs> it's because there's a difference in be, between being weak and being weary. And it's not that you're weak. Could it be that you're just weary because you two have been fighting the same battle for 30 years? This is why we all need people in our life. It's not a sign of weakness. Actually, I've just learned this to be the case, that it's only weak people that think they're strong enough to go through life alone. It's, it's not that I'm weak. I need people around me because the battle is going to make me weary. Because there's just this, there's this lie I've found so often in our lives and so often in our culture that as we grow and mature and get you know, that much more serious and we, we, there's just this lie that we outgrow our need for relationships. There's this lie that we all battle that's like, oh, as I, I grow, you know, I, this is what was profound to me. You know, this story, it wasn't David at 15. He wasn't like, oh, I'm just getting started and I need some advice and I need some people to kind of help me out as I step into this. No, this was David at the end of his life. 45 years old, he was already king and he knew I need people around me. He was already the, the, the king that God had chosen. He was already stepping into his calling. He was the, the guy. This is what I've just learned to be the case because many times we, we think that we outgrow our, you never outgrow your need for godly relationships. In fact, the opposite is true. I've learned that as you grow, the more giants will come. <laughs> That's why you need people in your life to help us to fight when we get weary, to help us fight when stones don't work anymore. That's why Sundays like today are important. You wanna know why? Because outside on that patio following the service today is gonna be a patio filled with Abishai's. Filled with people who just understand, "I, I know life can be a battle. And I know life can make you weary. And I know the things that you'll fight. And you don't have to fight it alone. And so I'm going to get a friend in my life. I'm going to leave today surrounding myself with a circle of faith, surrounding myself with a circle of Abishai's that people can come to my rescue when I get weary. And notice what Abishai says to David. Verse 17, Abishai, he says, you shall no longer go out, to us, go out with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Think about this. What started for David as battle once again with the right friend turned to never again. Once again, once again, once again, but with the right people, you don't have to fight alone. No matter what the battle is, I've just learned it takes the right people to help me fight. You know, the Bible, it says that their people really bring three things into our lives. I'll just give these to you quickly. That no matter what the battle it is that you're facing, you want to know why you get the right people around you? Because people, they bring wisdom, they bring strength, and they bring healing. That's what the Bible says. People bring wisdom. They help me to be wise. Proverbs 13 says, whoever walks with the wise will become wise. But who, the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you don't know what to do in your battle today, if you don't feel like you are, have enough wisdom to navigate the, the, the giants that are coming at you, here's the good news. The Bible says, just get around people who do. If you don't know what to do, get around people. Align yourself with people who do. Think about this. Most of the dumb stuff that you have ever done has been done alone or with the wrong people. <laughs> and the next best thing to actually being wise is to surround yourself with people who are. But the opposite is true. If you walk with the wise, you will be wise. But guess what? If you surround yourself with fools, you will be a fool. Ooh, he's so mean. I don't like this guy. Should have gone to... Here's the the reality for... You know, it it reminds me. I heard a story not too long ago of a man who had made an important decision in his life and realized that off the back of that decision needed to make some changes. And so there, the man, he, he did something creative. He changed the voicemail on his phone. This is what the voicemail said. It said, thanks for your call. Unfortunately, I'm unab- unable to get to the phone right now as I've been busy making some changes. Feel free to leave your name and a brief message, but if I don't call you back, it's because you are one of those changes. <laughs> I love that. Cause he just understood, I gotta get some wise people around me. And there may be some relationships that need to change. Some of you are gonna go home and change your voicemail to that today. <laughs> It's a good idea because I want to be a person who has the right people can bring wisdom to my life. The Bible says that right people make me wise, but you know what else it says? It says that right people make me strong. Ecclesiastes chapter four says by yourself, you're unprotected, but with a friend, look at this. You can face the worst. I'm using a different translation. That's the message version, but I like it. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? For a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Hallelujah. See, when you're alone, you're vulnerable. But when you connect to the right people, you actually get stronger. You think of the very beginning in the garden. God said, it's not good to be alone. And we think of that verse like it's a marriage verse, but it's probably better understood as partnership. Why? Because togetherness is for all of us and he says it's not good for you to be alone it's the enemy's strategy that if he can isolate you're that much more vulnerable and susceptible to the attack but it's not i'll I'll just meet people that are like oh it's just me and god against the world and god is even like dude not true Because think about this. We talk about it often like we have a God-sized hole in every heart. And that's true. I believe that. But think about the way that God created you. That he created you with a person-sized hole that even he is not willing to fill. That there is a need for community among all of us. Why? Because people help me to be wise and people help me to be strong. I was reading that they say, you know, there's only one place on earth that you can still walk among giants. And it's the Sequoia National Forest. They say that walking among the forest is like walking among the gods. These trees are incredible. They grow up to 300 feet tall and they grow over 120 feet wide. It's a monumental tree. It's, it's like being there, you feel like you're, you're you know, larger than life. And I thought, man, those trees, they must have some deep roots. But as I read, you know what I realized? That those trees, the roots only go down about five feet. You think, well, man, with a tree that big, how does it not blow over? Well, this is what they said that the the sequoia tree or the redwood tree, they'll put their roots down five feet, but it'll start searching because redwood trees never grow alone they always grow together. They grow in clusters. And what happens is their roots start going out and they call it a root system. That their roots start getting connected with each other and the strength of one becomes the strength of all. And when the storm comes, if you want to blow one of us down, you got to take all of us down. This is what happens. That that as my roots go down and get connected to yours, And as your roots go down, connected to their sea, it's not a small group. It's called a root system that when the battle comes into my life, I know that I don't have to stand on my own. I've got a system of people that can be the strength for me, that know how to fight for me, that know how to battle for me because I'm stronger when I'm with the right people. But listen, this is really important. You understand you don't get a friend in the battle. For by the time the storm comes, by the time the battle comes, looking for friends is too late. You have to grow together. It's not if the battle will come again. It's not if the storm, it's when it does. That's why I need to make sure that I'm growing with people even before they come into my life. You think what GK Chesterton said? He said, in prosperity, our friends know us, but in adversity, we know our friends. We need to understand that as we get connected to the right people, I get stronger and I get wiser. But the battle, it's simply too late to to find a friend. I've got to get connected first. You know, the Bible says that right people, they make us wiser and stronger, but it also says that right people help us heal. You say, okay, pastor, I understand the, the strength, I understand the wisdom. I thought healing was like me and God. So one of the things I've joked about doing is to do a message about all of the misused half verses in the Bible. I'm gonna give you one today, James five 16. You've heard it before, probably. It says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It says, a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's a half verse. The whole verse says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Therefore, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, the context of that prayer is about confession and healing. James says, confess your sins. Not not, not so you can be saved, We're we're not Catholics. He says, confess your sins so that you can be healed and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Watch this, private confession leads to forgiveness, but personal confession leads to healing. It's not, a, it's not a saved issue. We, we confess, as we will here in a moment, to know that there's this giant in all of us called sin. And I confess that to God because Jesus is the only one who can forgive my sins. But how many know we've seen the effects of all of us that, that when we neglect the second half of that, when we don't give, we don't understand that personal confession, personal confession is what actually brings healing into my life. We see people that start to live in darkness, live in isolation, live in secrets because they simply can't let go of the shame and the guilt that they feel. It's not a forgiveness thing. It's a healing thing. I actually, I'll just tell you this secrets will always make you sick. And that's why this verse is so powerful. Because it says that as we open up our lives to one another and people pray for us, we will be healed. I'm not trying to make light of the circumstance or what you've had to walk through, but I will tell you, this is, this is the best way. It's God's pattern. See, God says the formula for your healing is your honesty plus others' prayers. What is James saying? He's saying? You need some people who can pray the giants out of your life. I'll just tell you, I've never gone through a battle that I couldn't have used more strength, more wisdom, or more healing. It doesn't really matter what the battle it is that I face. Getting the right people around me—it's not—it's not because it's not I'm weak. It's because that the battle can make me weary and I could always use the strength of somebody else. And I could always use the wisdom of somebody who knows better than I do. And I could always use the healing because I don't want to live my life in darkness and secrecy. I want to live a healed life. See, I'm just telling you today, you, you need some of the right friends. That's how God created you. There's some battles that you will face. I just believe that you need people to fight with you. That's why when we invite you today to join a group, it's it's not that I'm trying to sell you on like the upgraded version of church. I'm not trying to sell you the bonus package. I just know that there are some battles when stones don't work anymore. And those are the battles that I need a friend to go through it with me. Because this is how I grow. This is how I get stronger. This is how I, I get wiser. This is how I actually get healing. So why wouldn't you wanna join a group? It's like, oh no, I don't, I don't have time for wisdom, strength or, or healing in my life. I'd rather be, you know, weak and dumb and. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's not like, oh, this is like the bonus. path. No, no, I wanna help you to understand. There will be a battle when the giant comes back again. And sometimes I can throw anything that I can at it, but sometimes the stones just don't work. And that's why I need to receive the gifts that God is trying to bring into my life called an Abishai. This is a story that I'll hear so often. I was at a funeral this week, a young girl who lost her dad too soon. You know what made the difference? Is that there were some small group leaders who showed up to pray with her and to stand with her hearing stories of people walking through infertility but you know what makes the difference the power of community to be their strength when they feel like they don't have any to feel like i'm getting an attack and there's just like this new thing that i've never dealt with and i need some people to come alongside of me i'm telling you it makes a difference in the battle that you're facing to know that the the enemies tried to come against me but there was somebody in my life that prayed for me Now there's a battle that i'm faced with but somebody in my life showed up to fight for me so I didn't have to fight alone. Look at how this story ends. 2 Samuel 21, David says, his men swore to him, you shall no longer go out with us to battle. Verse 18, there was war again with the Philistines. And there Sibachai struck down Saph, who was one of the descendants of giants there's two giants, three now. Verse 19, there was war again with the Philistines at Gob. And Elhanan struck down Goliath the Gittite, and whose spear was like the weaver's beam. And verse 20, here again, there was again war, and there was a man of great stature who was one of the descendants of the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, David's brother, struck him down. Verse 22, These four were descendants of the giants in Gath, and they fell at the hand of David and at the hand of David's men. Four giants David had to face again. And see, it wasn't just Goliath. There was five giants that David had in the course of his life. Four came at the end. They didn't fall with stones. They fell at the hand of David's friends. They fell at the hand of David's connect group. (laughs) They fell at the hand of David, getting right people around him. And I want you to miss this today, the role that these men played in David's battle and in David's future. So when David defeated the Goliath, he picked up five stones. And it says that he only needed one. And I always wondered, what happened to the other four stones? Could it be that it is the providence and the wisdom of God knowing that those four stones would be representative of four more giants that would come against David at the end of his life, hiding those stones away and knowing that those stones wouldn't be the thing that defeats the giants, but those stones became the difference between David fighting by himself and fighting with the right people in his life. Could it be coincidence? Sure. But really, does God do anything by coincidence? Knowing that the four extra stones that David had at 15 years old carrying with him three decades later, knowing there are four more giants that come into my way. And when the stones don't work and I don't know what to do, how to fight this battle or how to win. Guess what? It's the right people that helped me to fight, to go from once again to never again. That's why I just believe this to be the truth. The quality of your life will be determined by the quality of your relationships. I just want to tell you today, you you, you don't have to fight alone. There's a battle and the battle may be back. Fighting again and again and again. You may have gotten weak or weary fighting the battle by yourself. But notice it was the right people that said, you don't have to fight this thing alone. We're standing with you like the root system. I'm gonna give you some wisdom on how to handle this battle. I'm gonna help you to heal from the things that the enemy has tried to throw into your life and the attacks that he's trying to throw at you. I'm telling you, it's, it's called getting the right people around. Because when the battle comes, listen, don't hear me wrong. I love Sundays. This gathering is significant. It's important. I believe in it. But sometimes the row that you're sitting in may not be enough. You need a circle of people to surround you. To know that when the battle comes, it may not be a row that changes my life, but a circle can. A group can. Here's just the challenge for us today. We'll pray here in a minute. But could it be you're in the room today, maybe you feel like you've been fighting alone, We'll pray in just a moment, but my challenge to you is maybe to pray and just ask yourself, God, where, is the, where are the Abishai's that you have been trying to send me? Where are the people that you've been trying to, 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 to send into my life? Who are the people that can help me fight this, this giant? For others of you, you might have been coming around year after year. You may feel like you're, you're good. You may feel like, you know, I've been... I've been in a group for 12 seasons. <laughs> maybe the challenge for you is, you know what it is, to, to, to be an Abishai for somebody that may need you to fight for them. Maybe the response today isn't just gonna be this big song that we're cheering, but maybe it's to walk downstairs and talk to some of the team and just simply say this I'm ready to be an Abishai for somebody who might need me. I'm ready to, to get around some people, to help. help bring wisdom or some strength to their life. It's not some silly thing that we're doing. It can make the difference in your battle. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FreeChapelOC.